Jerry, welcome. Thanks, John. Happy to be here, man. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, happy to uh, have you, of course. Wanted you on the podcast for a long time, so thanks for finding the time. I know you're very busy, so we'll get right to it. Have to ask you, what are you wearing on feet? What do you What do you usually wear, you know, when you're in the office or you have some free time? Yeah, so so I am a huge uh, New Balance guy, uh, John. I, uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, 9060s and the uh, 2002s, I think, 2002 or 2000Rs. Um, not gonna claim to be a sneakerhead, but I definitely have a nice little collection of New Balance going. Um, I like to break some out every now and then, some new ones. Um, but for the most part, I rotate between maybe five, six different pair. You know, just keep it simple. Right. And do you have do you have like pairs that you stash away ever, or you pretty much wear what you uh, buy? Yeah. So um, I have I have several stashed away. There's certain items that I like to collect. There's a few pair of Jordans that I have in the collection, but I don't really wear just because. I'll be honest, I don't find them to be very comfortable. Uh, as we get older, right, you know, uh, it, it gets, uh, it, be, it becomes more apparent that we need some, some, some comfort at, at, on, our, on our feet. Um, I, uh, I actually may live a little more vicariously through my son with the gym shoes, right? So definitely, you know, splurge a little bit when it comes to getting him some shoes, but try not to overdo it because, you know, they got to, they got to kind of earn it themselves a little bit. So they're a little young, um, but, you know, they're definitely into sneakers, including my daughter. So she's probably the first one that came to me around sixth grade saying, hey, I need some Jordan. So I was like, yeah, you know, wait. <laughs> so you have three um, kids? I've got three kids. Yeah. Yeah. Three kids. One's off to college, freshman this year up at Madison, Wisconsin. Um, daughter's in high school. And then my youngest is in uh, in middle school. Okay. Yeah. So my, so my son's in grade six and my daughter's in uh in 10th grade uh so she doesn't really care that much he's starting to care what's the status of of their footwear i imagine high school she cares yeah. maybe not hopefully that much <laughs> that yeah you know you broke <laughs> no that you know that's the thing right so so they they tend to start caring maybe about middle school and stuff right and we try to hold off as much as we can because they're all involved in travel sports right and so that in itself is a expenditure um one is 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 rough you know but having three of them at one point we had all three of them playing travel in high school and stuff and so just the the type of expenses that come along with that you know overnight stays out of town hotels travel um just team fees for whatever so um i've always tried to kind of balance that with them and say hey you know it's one or the other, right? We can't do everything, right? So um they don't they don't get too out of hand with it, but I think I do sometimes, <laughs> especially when I come across some great deals, right? There's a lot of people that, you know, are sometimes selling their collection for whatever reason. And you know, I'll scoop up a couple of their either their size or they're gonna grow into them, right? So um definitely a bargain hunter. Um myself right my kids could care less you know they they see something they like they want it um and that's kind of where it becomes more of a you know a special occasion present whether it's a birthday or uh you know good grades on the report card or something like that right so that my my oldest uh you know um probably has uh the biggest collection um and the reason that would be is because you know he's got a brother that you know is right behind him and they were pretty much the same size so, you know, kind of a two for one deal there for us. Um, my daughter's is a little more difficult because she's, you know, in youth sizes. And sometimes, you know, the as you're aware, the six and a half to sevens, you know, kind of sell out pretty fast because um, 
they're hard to get. So, so I refuse to pay resale. Um, and, uh, when I can, I, you know, I'll get some stuff I retail for them. Yeah. They're we'll not too about... picky. They're not too picky either. You know what I mean? <laughs> so cool. it, it's not, it's not too hard. Yeah. We'll talk about, uh, Berdines and sneakers, um, soon, but I guess being in the, doing what you're doing and being in the community where, a lot of your customers are are sneakerheads too. Um, I guess you come across things whether someone says, "Hey, do you want these?" or "I'm selling my collection." So, so someone who's been exposed to sneakers for as long as you have, you know, like you said, can't turn down a turn turn down a deal. But at the same time, sports and uh, sports equipment, uh, particularly, you know, priority yeah. if you have athletes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now, I got to ask you the same thing for hats. So, what what, what you know, I see you. I see you on Wednesday night on Windy City Wednesday, and you're usually rocking something maybe that's coming out or that another store, um, another store uh, has recently released. What's your philosophy on hats in your personal, your personal? I don't know if you want to call it a collection. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. So my personal collection is probably up to the one hundred and fifty to two hundred range. Um, I would say 90% of that are hats that we did not make Aberdeen's. They're from other stores or from other creators. Um, it, it's, it's, it's my way to, to kind of show support back, you know, when they create a hat with another store or whatever, because we've got some customers, you know, like yourself that are just frequent flyers, you know, you guys are always supporting us. And so whenever somebody makes a hat, I always try to make sure that I, uh, I reach out to them and if possible, I know how things go, right. I know sometimes it's a small run and they can't um, get us an invoice or whatever. So, I always kind of uh, preface it with like, listen, I understand it's difficult, but if there's an opportunity there to get an invoice, you know, send it over. I'd love to support and stuff. So I, I, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of leaders. It's on the Clark street, um, some grandstand, you know, uh, stuff from other stores from outside of the city that some of the local guys have worked with other stores to, to create stuff. Right. And definitely, you know, some of the creators that we've worked with, right. If, if they, they put stuff out with other stores, I'll typically reach out. And and it's not every single time, but if it's something that catches my eye, absolutely, right? Um, uh, reach out to them and, and try to support the people that support us. Uh, and not just the supporters, right? There's there's stuff out there that I see that I like that I just go out and buy. Um, but I will say this. I probably rotate between 15 hats. And a lot of them, you know, I just haven't gotten around to curving them or whatever. I'm not a flat brim kind of guy. So, um if if it's not curved yet, it just means I haven't gotten around to, to finding some time to, you know, steam it up and give it that nice curve that I like. So uh, a lot of unworn stuff, but loving the way the collection is coming along. Yeah, it sounds good. And uh, does that mean that everything you have, or at least most of it, you you would be willing to wear at some point? Or there Absolutely, other... yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to say I I, I uh, buy just to support, right? Uh, I, I love to support, but if it's something that I just can't picture myself wearing, you know, there's there's so many opportunities with all the different stores dropping stuff and all the different creators dropping stuff that you know it's 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 impossible to keep up, regardless, right? So I, I you know, I uh, I'm a strong, a firm believer in, uh, and I think uh, I don't know. If, bones coined the term buy what you like right but there's a lot of people out there that just you know are are all for just buy what you like and so i like to kind of uh, take that lead and just if it's something that that catches my eye absolutely pursue it 
So I think I know the answer to this, but I'll let, you know, some of the listeners don't know you. Um, talk about your baseball allegiances and whether that affects what you're willing to buy. <laughs> like when we're talking about Chicago <laughs> and then beyond, because Chicago teams, Cubs have their rivals, right? Right. Absolutely. Right. So I I, I would say this goes back to like the late 90s. Right. And I would I would never have considered myself a collector, um, but I definitely was trying to collect all 30 or 31 teams, whatever it was at the time. Right. Um, I'm not sure if there was any expansion after that, but I would say high school, college was when I was buying my on fields and stuff. And I was really just trying to collect one of each on field. Right. And so the one thing that I knew was that the collection would never be complete because I would I would I refused to buy a St. Louis or a White Sox hat <laughs> being a being a Cubs fan obviously so there's definitely a you know rivalry within the city Cubs versus Sox um some folks take it more serious than others you know for me it's just a fun thing but I just I won't say I don't own a Sox hat but you won't catch me wearing the Sox hat got it, got it. <laughs> I think I've heard that before so yeah. You know, the other week you dropped two socks hats. Obviously, another designer, uh, AMS, came in and did a collab. But, like, does that make you feel any sort of way? Like, you know? No, like... no, 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 no. Absolutely not. No. Um, You know, we're in Chicago, right? And so one of the things we, we strive to do is to meet the demand for for custom Cubs and socks hats, right? Like, um, folks want to see different stuff. And so uh, when we work with with creators, you know, one of the things I encourage them to do is definitely include a Cubs or a Sox or both, preferably in a pack, right? If we're doing a pack with them, because, um, you know, nowadays uh, with collections, folks are collecting whatever they like, whether it's uh, just based off liking it or or whether it's, you know, matching with an outfit or something, they see a team, a hat, regardless of what team it is, they want to match it with their outfit or shoes, right? So um, I, I think the state of where we are with collecting has kind of pushed a little bit of some of those allegiances aside, um, where people are more open to to buying a Sox hat if they're a Cubs fan and vice versa. Um, <clears throat> so when it comes to what we like to put out, I, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be some Chicago teams in there. Right. And it's rare when we don't, um, we realize we got to mix it up with other teams as well. Right. Cause at the same time, you know, folks don't want to just collect cups and socks hats. Um, but we, we definitely encourage anyone we work with to, to include like a cups and socks in their pack so that, you know, we, we've got the, the home teams represented in there. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about minor league hats, but before that, when you talk about expanding into other teams, have you done that, uh, you know, consciously, or was it always something that you did mix it up, go beyond Chicago, go beyond sort of maybe, um, you know, the teams that, um, you know, obviously some teams are more popular than others and you don't, you don't want to have a team that nobody likes and nobody buys, but did, have you expanded it in the last maybe a couple of years? Yeah, so so I mean to talk about that, we got to talk a little bit about I think um, how my brother and myself got started with 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 the store, right? And so at the time we got involved, it wasn't necessarily a hat store. We the store has always carried new era products. Uh, I want to say dating back to like '95 when they first opened the account with New Era. Um, at the t at that time, we were doing custom hats, right? Or at least the owner was doing custom hats, but it was a totally different process. And then we had the whole transition to like the snapback phase right where everybody was looking for snapbacks and <clears throat> when you're a small business and capital is hard to come by it's difficult to do customs right because you're not sure of the audience um 
the minimum requirements, et cetera. You know, you always end up stuck with, you know, some small sizes, some big sizes. So we weren't doing a lot of custom products. We were ordering mainly um, whether it be snapbacks or, or program hats, right? New Era puts out program hats. They stuff that their designers um, put out. And the nice thing about those program hats is that you're not required to purchase 36, right? It's kind of like collectively all accounts have to meet a certain threshold, but you've got, you know, retailers across the U.S. And as long as everybody orders that team, you know, six or 12 of each, you, you hit that quota and the hat gets made. And so we started off a little bit with that, right? And one of the things that people don't realize is that when the, the craze started back around 2019, 2020 with, you know, the pink bottoms, like right after, right after, you know, the, the, it came out of the scene in New York, New Era put out some program hats and they were basically on fields with, with pink bottoms, pink UVs. And so that's kind of where we got started, right? We, we were paying attention kind of to what was going on in the market and we we're like, well, let's give these a shot, you know, prior to that, um, you know, there may not have been too many pink UV hats out there, you know, just because of the, the stigma of wearing the pink, you know, pink on a hat or something, but, you know, times change. And so um, we, we, we gave it a shot and there was good response to that. And then I want to say early 2020 was when we probably f- put in our first order for, for some custom hats, um, very small orders. Right. Um, and at that time, things were going crazy, right. You would see videos on, on social media of stores selling out in seconds or lines down the block, et cetera. Um, we didn't have that, right? We didn't have not so many people knew about us, right? We probably had like a thousand followers or less on Instagram. And so it took us a while to kind of build that audience um to where, you know, people were following us, looking to see what we we're gonna drop next. Um yeah, so 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 when we did our first pack, right, we were kind of looking at what uh what program hats and what on field hats we were doing the best with, right? Because we were carrying a lot of on fields, a lot of Cooperstown collection, if you're familiar with those. That's regular in stock stuff that New Era has. And we were literally just ordering like one per size. And as they sold, we would restock and make sure we had every size available. But that kind of gave us some insight into what teams were selling better, right? And so uh being a small business, making a commitment to ordering custom hats, knowing that at that time things were a lot tougher than they are today, right? Because uh, there wasn't a lot of access to capital. New Era was going through a phase where, you know, COVID had just hit and you had to prepay everything, right? And so you had to potentially charge, you know, uh, an order on your credit card and then wait three months to receive it, right? And so you weren't generating any revenue off of that, but you were paying for it up front. And so with the custom uh workflow the way it works right every two weeks you've got to submit an order and so if you just think about you know if you started today and every two weeks you're placing an order for custom hats to make sure that you have something new coming in every two weeks in the future you're talking about racking up three months worth of, of charges right uh that you have to pay up front so we had to keep it very small in the beginning right we had to order the minimum do two or three teams and we had to focus literally on some of the major market teams to make sure that that when they arrived we could at least sell through those to fund future orders right and so we did a lot of la boston new york definitely chicago and uh cubs and Sox. uh we even tried some nba and some football you know those didn't do so great which is probably the reason why you don't see us doing so so much nba and nfl nowadays right um so so yeah so that kind of opened up our eyes to kind of understanding 
that yes, other teams would sell even if we were in Chicago, right? And and two, you know, trying different things, right? Uh, like I said, there was the the craze about the uh, different color UVs, and so we just tried to start experimenting with different things and seeing what would sell best. Today, I think um, the the last let's say eighteen months to twenty four months, it's it's been very heavily focused on like hooks to different things and stuff like that. And so that sometimes drive what teams you use, right. For those hooks. Um, we're not against doing stuff, obviously that doesn't have it. We've done several things that don't have hooks to them. And honestly, every now and then I'll look and say, you know what, we haven't done this team. We should do something right with that team, whether it sells a lot or not, there's always, um, collectors out there that are looking for for certain teams, right? So when we do stuff like that, we definitely do lo- lower quantities um, just to have a variety of stuff. Because as we grew uh, on social media and people started like coming out to the store, they're always looking for a variety, right? They don't want to see the same same three or four teams every store they go to. So that kind of led to us expanding into that Mexican league, minor league. You know, and, and those we've continued to do because those do well. Um, NBA, you know, we'll do here and there. NFL, not so much. Um, it, it's really what the customer buys that kind of drives us to focus on what teams or what leagues we're doing and stuff. Yeah, I wanted to talk about minor league quickly because the first hats I bought from you were actually in store. I discovered you must have been on Windy City Wednesday with Carlos and Polly and visited Chicago, came in the shop. And this might lead into the next question a little bit about history because um, um, it was the pre pre uh, remodeled shop, so it looked obviously a lot dinner, different. We'll talk about that. And um, and uh, one of the gentlemen working there, I think, I think probably has a history with the store, so maybe we'll talk about him. But I wanted to talk about minor league because I they were sharing with me, or maybe you had told me, or, or I don't remember that there were some minor league hats coming out. And they said, let, let me message Jerry to see if you you can have him. You know, you're all the way from Toronto. Let's see what we can do. And I remember they <laughs> That messaged... was you? Yeah. Oh, I thought you knew it was me. I, thought, I did I thought, not know this. Uh, I was going to say, I didn't know you had visited Chicago or the yeah, store. You were away. You were on the road probably with your with your kids or something. And um, yeah, and it was, I, I think it was, I think it was Rochester, the one that has like the Grim Reaper on it. I can't even remember. I oh, have... yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Rochester? The I, I don't know. Yeah, there was a couple, and it was anyway. I ended up picking up two or three. They weren't out yet, and you graciously told them, "Oh yeah, this guy coming all the way," <laughs> and it was minor league. And you know, I wasn't that back into minor league back then, but got a ton of minor league hats from you. So obviously, you want to expand and you want to do the market. But it, I think you were one of the stores, maybe not the only one, that was sort of ahead of the curve. So how, how did that sort of happen? Like, did you just say, "Hey, this is a cool logo"? Was there demand for it? Uh, so, so to be honest with you, I, uh, I, I wanted to collect, uh, <laughs> uh, hats from the minor league affiliates of the Cubs. Right. So that kind of triggered a little bit and I'm not going to take credit for, for starting the minor league at all. Right. Because we've had several people from the community. Um, I think you might be familiar with TJ, right. You know, TJ, yeah. um, he's good friends with Pierre and Leon and, and, you know, TJ was always just pitching ideas. Hey, try this minor league, try that minor league. And it was always tough because a lot of the logos we were looking for were defunct teams or et cetera, right. That they were no longer licensed by new era, hard to find. And so, through that process, you know, my rep would see like, well, that's not available, but here, check this out or whatever, right? He would, he would just 
propose other logos and then going back and forth talking with just members from the community whether it's carlos or tj or like i said pierre and leon you know they they would toss ideas hey it'd be really cool to see something like this or it'd be really cool to see this logo um there's a few guys uh in facebook groups i uh, i'm gonna butcher this but i know mike one he's from tennessee i can't remember his his instagram name but there's also a yellow sub uh, submarine, I think. Um, there's definitely guys from the community that, which, yeah. that started to see us do one or two, and they immediately started reaching out and say, hey, have you considered doing this or you consider that? And that's where we kind of got the, okay, there's a market for this, right? Um, yes, it's not going to appeal to everyone, right? Like I said, there was, but but for us, it was like, okay, uh, how do we get, how do we, how do we get somewhere where we're getting noticed that we're doing different stuff, right? Because whenever a trend starts, you should see everybody jump on it, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody's doing the same thing. But we wanted to see if there was a way for us to kind of stand out and differentiate ourselves, right? Um, I've always told people minor league is not for everyone, right? It's definitely a different demographic, um, sometimes uh, slightly older people my age, right, that are looking for hats that they saw, when they were young and they're like, Oh, you know, the East Bay catalog or, or whatever there, there was a catalog out there that somebody sent to me that had like every minor league logo in it um, that had been created. Um, and, you know, I just started shooting them off to my rep and say, Hey, do you have this? Do you have this? And, you know, unfortunately a lot of the really cool logos were not there. Um, so, so we just kind of started looking for stuff to do. And, and one of the ways we started it that made sense for us was like Cubs and Sox affiliates, right? Because we're in Chicago and, and whether it's the Barons and their notoriety because of Jordan, right? Like, I feel like Jordan brought some attention to that in Chicago, for Chicago people, right? So so people knew who the Barons were, right? Um, there's times that I put up put out minor league hats of the Smokies and some people say, hey, is this a Cubs hat? And it's like, no, it's, it's a minor league affiliate. But that kind of got us going in that direction, right? And then obviously spun off to like Mexican league hats and, and, and then new era put out this hometown collection catalog that made it a lot easier for us to make hats. Right. Cause it was always a process to get the approval of the league. Um, when you wanted to change any of the you know team colors and stuff. And so they put out a catalog that said, okay, if you use these logos with these patches, the, the approval will be much faster. Sometimes we were waiting, you know, 30 to 60 days for approval on a minor league hat because you're going back and forth, making changes that they request and stuff. So that kind of deterred us a little bit from minor leagues. But when they put that catalog out, I got on the phone with TJ and I was like, TJ, let's go through these. You tell me, you tell me which logos are obscure and missing. And really it was, it's one of those like first to market approaches, right? Like we got to, we got to get these in quick because everybody's going to get this catalog and they're going to start doing them. So, um, so yeah, we knocked that out like in one day and we put a list together of all the teams we were going to do. Um, we just didn't always get around to all of them. Right. But definitely last year we put out a good batch of, of minor league. And as, as things have kind of tapered off, we're just being a little more careful and cautious of what we do minor league wise. Right. Because, um, as you, you're aware, you know, things tapered off. And so it's not the demand isn't as high as, as, as it was a few years back. Yep. Before we get off minor league, I have to ask, flat battermans on minor leagues. The first time I ever saw it, and and I admit my ignorance, Omaha Royals. Yeah. Was it, what was, what, were there other ones? I I remember when, when I saw that, I think maybe you probably previewed it. I said, flat batterman on a minor league. I got to get that. I didn't even care about that. Like I just wanted 
Yeah. What? What's? The, is there a story, or is this? Just <laughs> me? There's a. There is a story. Um. So. So. Um. The guys that hang out at the shop on Saturday, right during our drops, they, you know, we do we do a drop, and people would just hang out and they'd be talking. They'd always be teasing us whenever we put in or we made a hat that had like that MLB Batterman with the like three outlines around around it right and one of them is like super thick and so they're like oh that's the 30 pound batterman and i was like what's the big deal they're like no people don't like that everybody wants flat i'm like really and so it's stuff like that getting feedback from tj and carlos and things like that is i think what really kind of help okay we're gonna do this every now every time we do a hat we're gonna go flat and so when we started doing minor league i you know they would come in i'd look at it and and, and some of those minor leagues for whatever reason would come in with a really thick border around them right like it was excessive and i reached out to my rep and i was like hey can we can we uh can we look for a flat one and he's like well i don't see one in there i was like okay so this was my like my first time asking can we have it redigitized as flat and so and so he's he's like okay we'll try it he put it in um it took a while like we waited like over a month and a half for that and so once he's like okay it's ready in the system and i always tell him like 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 if i find something new i, I want to rush it to be kind of like you said, like I said first to market um i don't think it's as big a deal now but at the time it was kind of like one of those like okay people are finding new logos or people are finding and and, and you want to be like the first one to do something with it so um we had it redigitized and um and it got approved and then they got approved, like an email blast went out to to all the reps, letting them know that I was done. So he calls me up and he's like, hey, if you want to do something with this and be the first one, you better hurry up. Uh, so we did. Unfortunately, that shipment got delayed like 60 months. And I can't, not 60 months, I'm sorry, like 60 days. It was during the COVID period when you had no idea when stuff was coming in, right? Um, and so someone beat us to it. But, it, you know, I don't think anybody really noticed it. Um and then, you know, I, I did my little bragging rights on the Wind City Wednesday talking about the flat batterman and stuff. So it, it's something that I was surprised wasn't in the system. Um, but, yeah, it, it was one of those things where it was like the guys just kept, you know, teasing about the, the thick batterman. And I was like, well, let's see if we can do something about it. Very cool. Yeah. You know, I know people get new new and old logos digitized i know you can even submit a new logo to new era and and ask them if they'll if they'll consider it but uh the reason i asked about the batterman is because you see flat i think like 99 percent of the time on mlb and actually on both yeah. uh these days and uh that one uh that, <laughs> that logo meant a lot to me i we gotta go back you, you teased us a little bit about the history that you have with the store and the history of the store but let's take it all the way back when 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 did you first kind of encounter Birdies? Uh so Birdie, I think I got my first pair of Nikes when I was like in sixth grade. Uh prior to that, we were rocking Jordash and XJ 900s from Payless. And I think everybody knows what those are, right? And you're born um, and raised in Chicago, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, so uh one of the first family members to work at Birdie's was a cousin of ours. Um, probably in the late 80s. So um, I think my brother got his, we we, we actually got our first pair of Nikes on the same trip. I think mine were a pair of Air Raids. And I think he got, I can't remember what he got, but um, it was Aberdeen's and we went there because we were getting a discount, you know, from our cousin or whatever and stuff. So so we, we ended up doing that. And so that cousin, um, 
left went off to college brought in his younger brother who worked there he went off to college and he brought in my brother to work there right so it was like this family revolving circle so my brother gets there probably around 94 maybe 1994 and then maybe two years later as a freshman in high school i started working there um and so so yeah so so our first First interaction with Bridges was buying shoes there, but then we eventually got to work there. Um, and we probably worked there through 2004, 2005, I think. So we went through high school, we went through college. And even after we graduated, he still kind of wanted us there on the weekends. Um, so we were working weekends. You know, we didn't have any kids at the time. We weren't necessarily married. So, you know, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it's hard to explain like how, how fun it was to work at a, at a, a shoe store, right. During the nineties, uh, late nineties, early two thousands, but there was a lot of stuff going on. Right. Like, um, I don't, I, I'm not sure like when people started collecting heavy. Right. Uh, but back then, you know, like I like to tell people like Jordans were not selling out on release day. Right. They were, they were sitting there. They were sitting for a couple of weeks because they are 125 and not a, a lot of people were spending 125 in the early nineties on gym shoes. So, um, so yeah, so, so that's kind of how we got introduced to Verdeen's. Uh, we worked there for a few years and just seeing, uh, you know, the customer base come through, um, meeting people, talking to people about, you know, shoes and stuff. Uh, it's just, it, my brother and I would always talk like if he ever sells, we're buying, right? Like, and we would let him know, right? Like if he had the, the previous owner, Frank had three kids himself, um, and we always tell them, like, hey, if your kids are not interested, you know, by all means, reach out. Um, so fast forward, uh, you know, 2013, 2014. Uh, so really quick story. After we left, you know, I brought my sister-in-laws and I had a few sister-in-laws. So they started working there. So it's it's been like a family kind of job going everybody who works in high school because of the flexibility and stuff. Um, so, so that kind of kept us in touch with him. Right. So we would visit often. We'd drop by on, on holidays for Christmas and stuff and just have coffee with the owner and stuff. Um, and we continued to buy, 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 buy our shoes there, right. Whether it was for us or for our kids. Um, and so mid 20, maybe around 2013, 2014, you know, we started helping him move some product cause he was struggling. Right. He had like an excess of, of products and stuff. Um, so we were helping him move some stuff on eBay and, you know, little by little, we just, you know, started buying up more of his stock and, and, and kind of selling. And it just kind of led to where we are today, where we had a conversation with him and, uh, you know, we just, uh, he was ready to retire. His kids weren't interested. And, um, by the time we had, we're having these conversations, he had already kind of lost the Nike account, right. Cause Nike was going around closing, uh, closing up the small mom and pop shops, um, whether it be because they weren't performing or because, you know, the stores weren't up to date, right? Like Nike, Nike had so many rules throughout the years, right? Where they would come in and they would reassess your store and they would either drop you down a level or bump you up based on how your store looked and what you carried in store. They would determine what level of product you'd be able to get. Um, so, so with him, it was kind of just up and down, right? Until uh, early 2000s, he decided to go strictly athletics. Um, it was so I kind of skipped something there. It was it, the reason he he was kind of like um, 
struggling with that was because he still carried like uh again we're in a predominantly mexican neighborhood at this time and so he's carrying a lot of like dress shoes for your quinceañeras and your weddings and all that stuff right and so nike comes in and says hey you can't carry that stuff if you want to carry nike so that's kind of kicked off the transition for him to go strictly athletic or you know uh, urban wear based and stuff like that so anyway uh loses the account um he's ready to retire um and you know um we had maybe in 2016 um had started helping him order hats you know especially with like the cubs winning the world series you know custom hats that new era was putting out at the time so little by little we started building up the hat inventory at his store um and you know it just got to the point where you know it, we were kind of self-sufficient and we're able to kind of uh, work with him to to kind of phase him out and have us take over and so that kind of happened officially in around 2019 2018 2019 um and here we are today it's just you know it was it was kind of a blessing it was a timing you know with the with the hat hat uh scene kind of blowing up around that same time um it really helped us kind of get to where we are today yeah and i want to talk about today but the history of redeems actually goes back way further right it goes back, you were talking to me about, you know, different communities being in the area, right? It goes back, what, yeah. like, how far? Absolutely. So so the store itself, as far as we know, just from, you know, folks who've worked there and owned the business, it was originally Sultan's Shoe Shop, which, and it was like a repair shop in the from like 1920 to like 1940, same physical location. Um, then the owner who gave the name Berdeen's, took over probably in the 1940s and you had more of your, you know, like I was mentioning there. So, so the neighborhood was primarily Czechoslovakian, Slovenian. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they're, they're very Catholic, just like, you know, um, the Hispanic community is, is, is uh, heavily Catholic. And so the first communions, the confirmations and all that, that was the spot that people went to get their shoes. Right. Um, um, for those types of occasions. And, and then just like, uh, loafers it was just an old school shoe shop right like when my brother was working there you know you know people would still come in you'd take their shoe off you'd help them put on slip on the old one with a little shoehorn and stuff and um so so it kind of progressed from there to Berdeen's up until when Frank bought them out I think was like Frank so Frank the previous owner worked there throughout high school as well college graduated as an accountant and took over the business in the early 70s um opened up with an Nike account in 1978, right? Like before any kind of Jordan deal or anything. And so uh, I'm not sure if he was one of the first accounts in, in, in Chicago, but he was definitely close. Um, started carrying Nike products and little by little, you know, as times changed and, you know, he kind of looked at the business model, you know, started transitioning a little by little over to more sneakers, you know, basketball shoes and stuff like that. And Nike expanded their product line, you know, started getting to a little more of that. Um, so he kept the name Berdeen's um, from the early 70s when he brought it up until, you know, 2019, whenever he took over. And then it was Berdeen shoes, I should say. Right. So because we were kind of phasing out shoes, we kind of just we wanted to keep that Berdeen's name because, believe it or not, there was a huge local community that everybody knew who you were. I mean, when we were playing basketball at the local park. They'd be like, hey, Berdeen's, you know, to my brother, to myself. Hey, Berdeen's like. Like, dude, we're not Berdeen's, but yeah, we worked there. But, you know, it was it was nice to be recognized as the guys who work at the shoe store for, you know, 10 years or whatever. Um, so 
So yeah, so he kept the name and we wanted to do the same, um, but you know, kind of modify it a little bit to to not give the impression that we were a shoe store anymore. Um, and we're not very creative people, so we just went with Brilliant Chicago <laughs> to let people know that we're still the same guys, but we're you know doing something a little different now. Yeah. You know, that whole community story and the history really, you know, when we take break, take it down to today and jump forward, jump back forward, you know, it all sort of makes sense as an outsider, given what I see you guys do. You know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the unique relationship of Chicago, but let's talk about the community and what you do with it, because you talked about, you know, people who followed the store during the remodeling process you had, you had pop-ups across the street you kind of had to you kind of had to do what you could but the community still came out and you guys still still did it and the other thing i want to talk about is how you work with the community in making hats so let's talk about those two things like just you know the support you got during the during the time when you didn't have a physical store and and how you work with people making hats i want to say um, one of the first like collabs we did, you know, when we first started coming on the scene, getting a little bit of getting noticed a little bit, you know, it, it was nothing that we necessarily did. It was the community putting our name out there, right? Whether it was a simple post saying, hey, I got this at Berdeen's and then people start or people post a hat and they say, hey, where you get it at? And they start mentioning us. And that just kind of, you know, drove traffic. And then, you know, like I said, Carlos, TJ. You know, some of those longtime collectors um, were some of the first that started reaching out to us and saying, hey, really love what you're doing. Would like love to drop by and, you know, chat a little bit. And so I don't know if you know this, but both my brother and I continue to work our regular full time jobs while the previous owner kind of ran the store with some employees. And um, so we weren't always there. Right. So they would drop in and say, hey, you know, stop by. Didn't see you. Would love to chat or whatever. And I started just like taking my lunch hour. Right. Because I worked from home once COVID started. So I started taking my lunch hour and meeting people at the store just to chop it up about hats and stuff. Before you knew it, we were talking about creating hats and some ideas that they had. And at the time, I think everybody was looking at Hat Club. Right. And that's kind of what they were doing. Right. I think one of the first collabs I saw. Um, in one of the Facebook groups was uh, Hat Club with Manolo, right? Um, <clears throat> and some of the stuff that they were putting out was like amazing. And you know, I reached out to to Manolo one time. And I was like, "Hey, how do, how does this work? You know, like, what are you guys like? Are you getting paid? Are you getting hats? What's the deal?" And you know, he, we kind of just went back and forth and kind of talked about it. Um, Nothing came of it with him, but then when people started asking about doing stuff, I had more of an understanding of how it all worked, right? Because um, we were so small that, you know, it, like any money we were making, we were literally reinvesting back into ordering more hats. And so we weren't paying ourselves or anything like that. We were just kind of trying to uh, grow the business at the time. And so, um, you know, some of the guys came out and they're like, hey, we just want to do some hats. We're not looking for anything, you know, maybe just a free hat or something. I'm like, okay, let's give it a try. And, you know, one of the big, big initial releases we had, I think, was uh, Carlos's Selena hat, right? And so that, you know, just kind of helped put us on a map a little bit, along with, you know, some of the local customers who had some, some social media following as well. And they were posting about us, right? And so 
you know the the collabing with the the community whether it was carlos or tj or um you know once we started doing that we started you know getting more inquiries from outside of the city uh you know folks like um leon or or just anybody in general right that was looking to hats and, and at that point it became like really difficult like okay i don't i don't know who you are you know i don't you know i i like to have that face-to-face conversation with folks before um we work on something and so i definitely was keeping it more local at the time and so we started just putting stuff out with local guys and see and you know stuff was was doing great and then little by little you know as 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 we were introduced to more people in the community right i think uh i think ty ty hosted a a fitted um, like meetup right at stash and that brought in some people from out of town like Polly and Yodi and stuff and then they came over by the store we were closed um, but Carlos reached out at that point me and Carlos were you know like communicating on a daily basis and he reached out and he's like hey are you guys around I'm like well we just closed but if you guys are coming we'll open back up so um, went back to the store opened it up you know started showing them some unreleased stuff and everybody was getting excited and then they're like oh let's work together and that kind of just really started driving more of working with people outside of the local community right and so um it got to a point where you know at one point you're getting daily requests right and it just becomes difficult to work with everyone um and so we started to just kind of you know have conversations with people and if 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 our minds were on the same page and everything looked good you know we we kind of like work with 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 them and stuff right so um that that is i think uh really what helped put us um on the map um with with you know nationally as opposed to just locally um and so we we just try to try to work with them if somebody comes in, and everybody that comes to to us with an idea unfortunately we're not necessarily able to work with everyone but if it's something we really like and um and it makes sense for our store we're we're more than willing to to work with them um during the remodeling process like you mentioned we were we were doing pop-ups um across the street and and that was more so because you know we just got to a point where where it was great seeing people at the store you know they would come out for the saturday drop and then they would just hang out we'd order lunch maybe have a couple drinks or whatever and it was just like everybody's it's like a barbershop you know you sit around and you 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 bs a little bit about hats and shoes or everything um and and we didn't want to lose that right um so yeah we could have done our drops online and they probably would have been not as successful but you know we would have still been able to maintain but we want to make sure we kept that contact with 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 the community um at least once a week right so that they could you know hang out and you know you know just like i said just do what guys do man you know sit around and talk about hats and shoes and stuff so so that's kind of what led to that um as far as renting that out but nothing beats being back like at home and and doing your own thing at your own shop and stuff you know, a lot of people say, and it was a big issue in the sneaker community, that probably a, a victim of COVID, but also just because of the 
um, you know, popularity of people buying things online, and that the whole retail experience has changed for sneaker shops, where it used to be pre-COVID, used to be, you know, great installations and places you want to hang out, almost like back in the day. And it was yeah. like, and everyone said, you know, that's what I want from a sneaker shop, or at least what, you know, some of the some of the traditional or older heads wanted. They, they said they want a place to hang out, to shoot the shit. I don't need to buy a pair of sneakers. I can just hang out and yep. ch- chop it up there's no pressure to do anything and it's it, it's sort of a place to be in and that's exactly what you're talking about and now that you have the remodeled new shop it seems like uh you know that is a perfect time but it also seems like the your most recent release it'll probably won't be your most recent release by the time this airs but um you really went out all out in terms of making it more uh you know four great hats release but there were pins there was gear and you did you did, if I'm not mistaken, you did something to the shop, right? So, um, you know, it, it was it was something uh, that, uh, you know, AMS Albert reached out and wanted to do, uh, you know, uh, Joker theme pack. And, and it was like the timing was perfect, right? If we if we did everything right and got everything in on time, it would be a perfect release around Halloween. Um, and, and, you know, like I told him and I told others that were there, it's like not every release is going to lend itself so well to be able to promo it that way. Right. And so from my perspective, uh, you know, business wise, I understand that we got to work a little harder now to sell hats. Right. We got, we got to put some effort into it. Not that we weren't putting effort in it before, but if you recall, there were the, you know, drops that would just sell out in seconds, no matter what it was. Right. And so little by little, we started seeing that we had to put a little more, which, which is why, you know, we, we, you know, maybe about a year and a half ago, we started reaching out a little bit more to, to not necessarily influencers, but guys that create really good content, right? And so, um, it, it wasn't anything like an ambassador program or anything. It was more of a, hey, do you want to work together? Put some together, you know. Um, obviously, quotas your fee or whatever for creating the content because that stuff takes time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm well aware of how much effort goes into even just the photo shoot. Right. Um, but being a small store, you can't always, let's say, afford a photo shoot for every pack. Right. But you really want to highlight some. And so when when AMS reached out and the timing was good for Halloween and the timing was good for the reopening of the store. I wanted to do something special for that first major drop, right? And so we wrapped the windows with with the flyer that that he did, along with a little phrase going across. Uh, you know, we did banners, we did T-shirts. Um, it, it was one of those uh, where I wanted to experiment to see like what the overall cost would be to do something like that and how it would impact our overall sales, right? And so um, it it was a good experience. It was definitely one of those things that just happened naturally, you know, we'd have conversations and he would toss out this idea and I'd be like, well, no, why don't I, why don't we wrap the windows or, you know, our windows look so plain, let's do something with them. Um, And then, you know, it it was like everyone we reached out to, to be a part of creating the promos, they were like all as excited as we were, right? Like, Hey, that sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. Um, The, the video we shot at night with uh, Geo uh, with the, with the drone, uh, I think I, maybe give him like 48 hours notice i was like hey are you free to do this because i think it would be a really cool just short 15 to 20 second clip um and he was down for it right he came out you know took some time out of his day um so it was it was really it was really about um wanting to see what we could do right like like 
like how well could we execute something like this and and at the end i i think it was it was uh, not just a great experience it ended up being like like something that i look forward to doing again if if let's say a pack lends itself that well to be able to promo it right cuz a lot of times you know there is in the hook and everything like that and there isn't it's difficult for me personally to come up with some ideas to to promo the stuff so that one was not not difficult at all you know i know there are some ties between people like um stores like leaders and like ty used to work there and things like that and, and all that but why do you think the business operators whether they're designers or owners people like you you know, are so cool with each other in Chicago. I don't know a better way to say it. You know, I see <laughs> I see Ty in line at your store grabbing a hat, and then I see you wearing a leader's hat, and then everyone comes together on Wednesday. I know not everyone. There's there's tons of hat shops in Chicago. But, I mean, <laughs> you don't need to address it, but you guys are competitors. Well, how come... How come, like, are you, is it a historical thing? You guys know each other from back in the day, or is it just, is it Chicago? Is that the way it is? Is I... I I don't want to say I, I get it because I love it, but yeah. it seems a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, nice. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It, it seems odd, right? Because, so so I, I'll give you my perspective on it because I, 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 not looking in from the outside, it didn't seem to me odd until people started pointing it out, right? And so I will give you my history with each store right and so it, it really comes down to the community right and and you know the way they support each store and then coming back and saying oh you know you should meet so and so and you should meet so and so and and the community kind of brings us together right and so my personal um like relationship with leaders and 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 the crew over there i think started with with my rep right because when we were kind of um, starting to do things, um, you know, he mentioned some of the stores he he was the rep for, and I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we did a drop where you know it was three stores, um, and and people had to kind of plan their day to hit up each store, and it was a collective pack together that we all planned together. Um, unfortunately, that never came to fruition, but that kind of led to me being introduced to Diego, who's one of the owners over at Leaders. And, you know, just starting to chop it up with him. He dropped, I think he bought some hats with us. And I had heard of leaders before because I worked nearby. Um, but I had never, like, like actually gone in. And so I dropped in one day just to chat with him. And if I told you that he was the most receptive person, and this is coming business to business, right? He knew I owned the business. And at the time we were looking for a POS, we were, we were just getting started, right? We were still on an old, you know, manual register and stuff. And I just started telling him, he's like, oh yeah, come here. I'll show you, the, do this, do that. And he started giving me business advice. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Um, but cool. You know, I'll, I'll take, I'll take whatever I can. The guy's been doing it for over 20 years. Right. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, that's kind of where our relationship started. And little by little, I started to get to know the team over there. And then, like I said, um, some of the local guys who knew of Ty and Ty's previous experience at leaders and stuff like that. And then before you knew it, we were just, you know, getting invited to FNF events at leaders and stuff and just going out there and hanging out. And, and I think what, what, what makes that possible is that 
I don't think any of us are necessarily like trying to dominate the market, right? We're, we are well aware that we are all players in the market and that there's plenty to go around, right? Like, like if you're doing the work right and putting out good stuff, folks are going to come out and support you. And, and that's kind of like the perspective I've always had. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, we've, we've, we've gone to, you know, again, Carlos, TJ, the COC guys, they did work with grandstand. So they invite us out there. So we'd come out to support, um, got us, uh, kind of linked up with the, with the grandstand folks as well. Uh, same with Clark street. So, so there's, there's, you know, just a variety of stores where if there's events, we invite each other and everybody just has a good time. It's crazy because it's almost like our schedules work out as well, too, because none of us are always necessarily trying dropping stuff at the same time. Right. So so that people will have an opportunity if they want to get a hat here or at another store, they have that opportunity to to make each each drop. Yeah, you guys do a remarkable job on not stepping on each other's toes. It's it's cool, and I, I'm sure some of it is sort of like you know maybe you guys talk, but some of it isn't. You're just it's it's a respect because I I subscribe to the view that at least from a business perspective that you know if one wins, then the other one's going to win because you know you know whether you call it the culture or the industry or whatever needs to grow right for for everyone to succeed right. If if, if someone's doing something wrong, it could it could cast a shadow over everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but and there's no there's no restrictions on. I mean, if you wanted to do something with another, like you guys are allowed to. Like New Era doesn't care. If absolutely, you guys work together. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there might be some stuff in the works, but um, absolutely, there, there's been some chatter for some time now. It's just a uh, kind of a matter of of finding free time on the schedule to get it done. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about you know, you talked a little bit about buying hats as uh, as a youth. <laughs> But were you into baseball back then? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so being from Chicago, being on the south side, people always question how you're a Cubs fan, right? But if, if we go back far enough um, and we remind people that back then, games weren't being broadcast on a daily basis, right? And and one of the reasons why you have, I think, the, the Cubs fan situation being the Southsiders, WGM was broadcasting Cubs games back then, right? And so it's what you saw on TV. And then and it was a period, you know, in the 80s where the Cubs had some solid teams, right? You know, they made it to to the playoffs in 84. They made it again in 89. Um, people forget that back then you only had an Eastern, East and West um, division, right? So you only had two two top teams going for the NLCS. And, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs were in there. And so it... I don't attribute it too much to to them having a winning team. They just had some good players, right? They had, you know, we grew up watching Mark Grace, Sean Dustin, Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, uh, Penguin, you know, just going through a lot. And then, you know, even in 92 with Maddox and then losing him to free agency and seeing him succeed in Atlanta so well. It was one of those things where you got accustomed to not always having, you know, the the ownership putting a lot into into the team. But but when when you started seeing players, and and for me, um, what really solidified my 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 fan dumb ship to to the Cubs was you know seeing Kerry Wood come up, man. Kerry Wood was just you know phenomenal when he came up as a rookie um, through that twenty strikeout game, and then followed by Mark Pryor. You had Sammy Sosa with the whole home run thing there in the mix. 
Um, definitely a huge baseball fan. And I was a huge baseball card collector, right? So um, I want to say uh, 1987, maybe tops was probably the, no, 89, 89, the Brown, the Brown border ones um, was when I really, I mean, packs were 25 cents, a, uh, 25 cents a pack back then. So it was, it was a lot easier to buy cards back then. Um, but just collecting cards um, in my later teens, you know, when I was working and buying my own stuff, um, I got heavy into Bowman and Bowman Chrome and, you know, just seeing uh, the prospects coming up and stuff like that and collecting prospect cards, sending them out to get graded by PSA or BGS. It, that kind of really kept me in tune with what was going on in baseball, even though sometimes you didn't always have the time to watch or catch the games. Um, it really kept me in touch with, with you know, who was up and coming and stuff like that. So that was what I enjoyed the most, right? Is like kind of having that knowledge of, of who, who was in the minors and ready to come up and stuff like that. So uh, always been a, a baseball family. Oh, I shouldn't say baseball family, but my brother and I have always been baseball. Just that's what we did as kids, man. We we were out there, you know, playing wherever we could, whether it was catch in the in front of the house or or you know hitting some some uh, pitches uh, in the backyard. Um, yeah, it, it was just my dad was a soccer fan. He wanted us to play soccer, but that was too much running for us. We weren't we weren't looking to run. But yeah, so so definitely, you know, card collecting, um loving to play the game. Um, yeah, it definitely baseball guys. How many of your customers now, maybe versus a few years ago, um, you get more sort of baseball fans coming or sorry, I would assume fewer baseball fans coming in now, more, you know, hat guys, collectors, people looking for customs. Are you still get a little bit of the baseball fan? Um, you get the occasional baseball fan, right? Um, but, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of, you know, um, it, it's really a lot more fashion driven, really a lot more. Um, uh, you get guys, like I said, um, uh, TJ and Carl and stuff like that know their baseball and other folks too know their baseball. Right. But I wouldn't say that's necessarily what's driving them to buy hats. Right. It's just, you know, conversation at the shop, hanging out and stuff, talk about baseball or any other sport. Right. But, but yeah, I, I think you're seeing a lot less of the hardcore baseball guy, um, buying hat or at least with us, right. As a customer. Um, but I will say this, you you still see them and, and and when you do see them you know they're they're um they're going after the teams that they like because you know you'll see an order come in for you know for blue jays hats or or for x team right um where it, it's getting harder and harder to tell who who's collecting because of of the love of the team or sport versus you know uh, the guy, you know, just adding to the collection or, or looking to match his outfit or, or a particular jersey or something, right? I don't know what you think, but I think it's a huge opportunity. Every time I go to a ball game, you know, obviously being in Toronto, I go to a lot of Blue Jay games, but even in other cities, you know, you, you look around for maybe one out of every hundred hats. I might be generous is a custom, pr- probably way less than that, actually. They're, yeah. the, the hats that they sell in the shop, they're hats that people you know, look like they passed down for six generations, you yeah. know, like this uh, beat up, beat up, dirty old hat. And um, you're not going to change that guy probably. But, yeah. you know, the the 15 year old who just bought a hat at the J shop and 
maybe has seen some hats in his in his time you know what i mean like yeah. as a 15 year old at school or you know wherever it seems like that's the untapped market for for fitted hats and, and custom hats that you know maybe maybe they need to get them in the stadium maybe they need to get it outside and I, you know i know every product <laughs> is trying to get in uh and it's it's hard to work with new era and mlb i'm sure but i mean do you, do you see that as you know not necessarily getting in the building but like getting fans because you know fans probably have six of the same on field sitting at home uh and they somewhere they want more at least uh, yeah. that's what i think Yes. So, so one thing I always tell people is as big as this hack community is, it is minuscule compared to the amount of people out there that buy hats that have no idea what is going on in this hack community. Right. Because, um, and we see it more now that our store is open. Uh, we've got folks coming in randomly that, that are just coming in to check us out. And they're like, Oh, why is that cups hat that color? Like, what do you mean? Why is it that color? Because we customized it that color. Oh, you could do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what you see in stadiums a lot is a lot of fan gear, right? Um, you you see a lot of on fields. Yes, they are starting to do more customs. Um, but I think your average fan that is, you know, like I, I, I always tend to compare it to like my wife or or my nephew who's not a big hat or or, or sports fan, is like they're going to a Cubs game, they they go and find any hat that has a cup's logo on it and they just want to wear a hat, right? But they're not going to go out and spend, you know, 40 or $50 on a hat just for that game. And so I think, I think there's definitely opportunity there. I, I would, you know, I don't know if it's like uh legal or legal, but I would love to one day just set up shop outside of the stadium, right? Like some of these vendors do and just show off some of the stuff we have. Right. Cause I think that would expose a lot of people to stuff that they haven't seen before. Um, and, and when you're dealing with shops inside the 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 stadium, they're they're team stores, right? So they gotta they kind of kind of I don't know what adhere is not the word, but they kind of cater cater to the crowd that's there, right? And it isn't always folks that are looking for custom hats. Um, and the reason I I, I agree with what you're saying is because I was at a Sox game uh, towards the end of the season with with my kids. And we walked around and we saw maybe like three custom hats. And there was, it was a good matchup. I think it was against the Yankees. And it, there was like 39,000 fans there, right? Um, and you saw a ton of on fields, a ton of 3930s, a ton, a ton of dad hats. And I think we came across like two custom hats, right? One of them, one of them was from Leaders and one of them was uh, one of the Ronnie scripts that he did with us. And and if you think about it, you've got all those people like how how, how are they not aware of what's going on in, in, in the hack community? Right. Um, but but it may it just not, may not may not be their interest. But I'm sure if you put something in front of them and they see it, they'd be like, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, a socks hat in different colors other than your 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 team colors. Right. Your original team colors, black and white. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that that we look at and say, like, how, how do we how do we enter that market? Right. Like, or how do we get those eyes on us as well? And, and it comes down to really just working with people in the community and just looking at different avenues. We do, we do other pop-up events, right. Aside from what we were doing for this, for, for the remodeling period, um, we've started to do like festivals, right. Where we just go and we, 
we there's a there's a huge uh, michelada fest here in chicago right it draws probably like five or six thousand people and it's maybe like two minutes away from us um we we you know we we did a spot there um we did this house music festival and and little by li- and and the crazy thing is people walk in I'm like who are you guys like we've never heard of you guys i buy hats all the time and i've never heard of you and i was like Oh my God, like we got to do this more often, right? Like we got to get in front of people, right? We got to be out there. And so we we have plans of doing a little more of that as well as, you know, some marketing and stuff for targeting local, the local area, because it's frustrating to hear that people live less than 10 minutes away from us and they don't know that we're there. You know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah, it, it just kind of leads to, you know, how, how do you grow that market a little bit, right? Um because it's definitely a big market when you think of all the stores and people that are involved in creating these hats. But overall, when you think about it and the amount of hats that like uh, lids sells and, you know, theme stores sell, like our market is is tiny compared to that. Right. Like like there's way more on fields. Uh, there's way more dad hats and stuff being sold. And it kind of leads to us carrying other things as well, too, right? Like, we still carry snapbacks. We're starting to carry uh, 948 frames, 3930s, because we are starting to get some more of those customers that are more not necessarily looking for fitted. They just want, you know, hat to wear to work or hat to wear to the game. Yeah. And there's, of course, plenty of people who collect snapbacks or or whatever. You know, it's not like yeah. it's all fitted. But, you know, when when I go to a game... I, I see that and maybe fitted hat guys, collectors, male and female need like their own section and they'll be like a, right? you know, like a fan or something or, or, you know, I, I think about these things and then you look around, you see so many say Jordan ones or dunks or, or whatever. It's like, if those say, you know, those people did it with sneakers. Right. And um, yeah, you know, everyone's wearing a hat to a game in the summer, everyone. Um, and um, you know, it seems natural and, 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 you know, Obviously, the decision isn't necessarily made by by people like you or fans like me, but uh, I I feel like it's it's an opportunity that um, that people or powers that be should take advantage of. I, I I that led me to my last question about the sort of the state of the hat world, and and we we kind of talked about it there. But do you see there being an opportunity for you know them to become more mainstream, maybe fifty nine fifties? obviously been around forever uh trends come and go but uh a lot of people don't plan to go anywhere <laughs> in terms of you know it's it's not like switching to a low cut new balance from a jordan one like w- w- once you're right. in 5950s you you're probably there yeah I, I i agree you know and and unfortunately you know we the, you do see the 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 occasional customer that you know goes from trend to trend and that's okay right like trends change you want to be in fashion and stuff um what i what i would say is like 5950s have obviously been around for a long time and collectors of of fitted hats have been around for a long time i think what's happened over the last four years has just brought more attention to the fitted collectors that are out there right because like i didn't know there were these facebook groups out there um you know, uh, one of the first ones I joined was FHS, and my understanding is that a lot of the folks in that group came from a private group called Team Fitted, right? And so then we started learning of folks like um, Alex Mendoza, Fitted Heads here in Chicago, right, who had one of the craziest collections you'll ever see. All, not, not all cups, sorry. 
a ton of cubs right and 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 you, you could sit there and just flip through box and box and show you all kinds of custom uh like streetwear stuff that i wasn't even aware new era had done back in the past with certain private labels um and just like custom one of ones and some of the stuff that that he's done and so it's been a learning experience for me as well because like i said i i thought i was a collector back in the late 90s but little did i know that there were like these collectors out there that were buying a little bit of everything right whereas i was just trying to complete all the mlb teams um and so i think um i think i think I think what it what what this period has done is kind of expanded that customer base, right? Like, like there were people who were introduced to to fifty nine fifties over the last three to four years that are going to stick around and continue to collect, right? And if I told you that at least once a week we still hear somebody say, "Hey, I'm new to this collecting. Um, what where can I find hats? What do you recommend?" Um, you know the the community's still growing right like every it's just everybody's at a different pace right there are guys who come in and they just start buying everything that they they see and like and there's others who like you know they take their time they want to make sure that you know the hat they they want to get they like or they're waiting on something or they're looking for something particular so you're going to have a variety over over time where you know the the that that small market or what i would think was a smaller market of, of 5950 collectors is it's just kind of like blown up over the last couple of years and it's going to settle somewhere in between or potentially continue to expand right as more people um are privy to seeing what's going on and stuff like that right like uh, the the meaning of the hats nowadays right like that that's such a driver nowadays that you know people may look at a hat and it's like oh it doesn't make sense to me and then you know you hear somebody telling the story and it's like oh wow yeah that's that's pretty cool I, that that story you just told me make makes me like that hat a little bit more um etc right so um so yeah i i mean i i agree 100 percent if, if if what we're saying is that it's it's uh, like a trend i just i don't see the trend dying out um completely right like just like snapbacks didn't die out completely there's and I think fitted hats are going to be a little bit stronger with people sticking around, right? Because there's so much content being created around it. There's so many shows. There's so many, uh, you know, views from the vaults. You've got, you know, the Off the Dome podcast. You've got so many people creating content that I think is going to keep people engaged. Um, will it be a smaller market? Potentially. But I, I think just like it has potential to to shrink a little bit, there's potential for it to continue to grow as more people tune in to some of these YouTube channels or, or podcasts, et cetera. Right. Um, to learn more about like what's going on in the hat community. Yeah. And whether it's new era or teams approving things like they, they realize that they're, they recognize that there's a need to, you know, allow, like we talked about new logos, new threads and, and let, let stores do, yeah. do more. I know there was a period where the rules kind of tightened up a bit, but it seems like, you know, we don't have to get into it, but it seems like that they realize that, you know, you got to offer more uh, people, <laughs> you know, a lot of people have the same hat more than once. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, and if you want them to spend money, right. if you want them to grow their collections, like, you know, personally, I, I I love buying hats. I love buying new hats. But it's hard when you see someone, even someone, you know, and you support like a fellow collector gets a collab and it's kind of like, oh, I, I sort of have that hat. It's close. And it's like kind of, like, yeah, you don't want to buy it and not, not use it. So it's nice that the new era and the stores are recognizing that there there are ways to to give the existing collectors what they want and uh you know like we said that uh 
that grows the market and and gets them. You know, when when I get a new hat, it's always it's always the collectors that ask me, "Oh yeah, you got it, you got it." But then there's always one or two other people. It's kind of like, "Where'd you get that one?" Or at a Blue Jay game, that always happens to me. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I have to I have to say, you know, um, since since I walked in your shop, it wasn't that long ago, but the rise of Berdine's credit. I know you're not going to take the credit, but a lot of it should go to you, but your team, your brother, and and all the people you work with and all the people at the store d- deserve credit. But it's been uh, remarkable, I, and I'm glad I, you know, I'm glad, you know, I've I've got to grab a bunch of those hats, but more importantly, I'm glad to sort of be be at least a little bit part of the uh, the Chicago community. I, I tap in on Wednesday as much as I can. I was in the shop once. I'm, I'm very overdue to come again so you'll you're definitely going to see me this winter although uh not the best time to come to chicago but uh if uh the shop is warm and uh you guys are hanging out i will definitely be there yeah absolutely yeah it'll be fun and uh this was a lot of fun great to hear your story i know you could probably tell us stories all day and maybe i'll hit you up again but uh i know you have uh uh a busy schedule but uh it was really a lot of fun talking to you and for listeners to get to know you a little more and know about your business and and your background it, it was uh it was definitely great so thanks jerry appreciate it john thank you <laughs>